0: The podcast is presented by Fubo TV. Watch over 100 channels of live sports and TV for half the cost of cable. There's no contract. There's no commitment. Try free at FuboTV.com. The Cleveland Cavaliers have swept the Golden State Warriors with a well, uh, 118 to 110. I almost forgot the score, but I didn't. I didn't, guys. And uh, and we do not have Justin Rowan on the pod. He was being a debaucherous fool at a Winnipeg Bombers game. So instead, we are joined by its Cavaliers, Mac Perry. How you doing, Mac? Man,
1: Carter, I think, honestly, I may have died and woken up in an alternate reality because we're talking about sweeps. We're talking about the Warriors. <laughs> We just swept the Warriors, man. I mean, we literally sat up here last time out, right? And we're talking heavily about how we hadn't beat this team for about six, seven years, all things considered. And we just swept them within a couple of games.
0: <laughs> so I'm was feeling this pretty our good. First, was this our first win in Golden State since Game 7? I think so. Whew. I mean, like, it was funny. I I, I was tweeting some... So I was just kind of live tweeting the game and someone got in my mentions talking about Evan's offensive game. And Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, like, yeah, he had had a rough game up to that point, but like just word to the wise, we're up 12 in golden state. (laughs) Like that that doesn't happen for the Cavaliers. Um, So the fact that I, they came out with, with uh, yet another win. And it, you, We felt this way after the last game, Mm -hmm. uh, hosting Golden State. We go, okay, now they figured it out, and then they backslid against OKC, but it kind of feels like they regained things. I do think it's a good matchup for them. Uh, Their size, Golden State's lack of rim pressure out in the non-Jonathan Kuminga division. uh, There are a lot of things that work really, really well about this matchup for the Cavs, but it I, I still don't think you can at any point disregard the fact that the Cavs have swept the season series with the Warriors. I mean, we, we, this is
1: one we should definitely feel good about. You know, we didn't have Isaac Acura out there, one of our, you know, our best point of attack defender, and he wasn't out there. And you just kind of felt like Steph Curry, you know, for all the wizardry he typically brings to the table, it just didn't matter tonight. I mean, one of the things that was really, really, really messing with me in tonight's matchup, I gotta say, is just rebounding, right? Uh, We have this size advantage. It's a good matchup, like you said, but 55 to 45 on the glass. And it just didn't even matter because Cleveland held Golden State to 41 percent from the field and 34 percent from uh, three point distance. So I, I, I walked away with this one feeling pretty damn good just because of the fact that you can if you can do this without your best point of attack defender. You should be able to replicate this. But again, you know, we've seen this team. They, for some reason, and Carter, I don't know if it's just me, but we we really seem to get up defensively for this Warriors team.
0: What is Yeah, it, well, well I, I do think that some of it is the matchup. Some of it is the styles make fights. Like, you can switch Mobley and Allen out on these guys because they're bigs like Draymond, like Looney, are not like punish you type of bigs. You know, Wiggins hasn't really, you know, been himself uh in either of the matchups in terms of him playing at his best which you know kind of is himself but you get what i'm (laughs) saying um uh, i i think that they're able to switch with impunity i think the Cavs' defensive principles are really really strong and you know you look at a guy like darius who the last couple years has rated out as an above average defender and it's not because his physical tools are so good it's because he just doesn't mess up and like so much about the goal about guarding the Warriors is just don't mess up, um, and you know, and and hold still, be in the right spot at the right time because they need to pass the ball uh so much to generate good looks, and the Cavs just you know it was a steel fest. The Warriors had twenty turnovers, which is like it's just funny that darn near ten years into this thing, the recipe to beat the Warriors is still just get them to hand you the ball a lot. <laughs>
1: I mean, we're talking this is a game in which, you know, we had just turned the ball over 18 times, if I'm not mistaken, against OKC and basically handed the game to him. And the Cavs in that first half, they seemed to play under control, especially Darius Garland, who I kind of want to talk about a little bit just because uh, I felt like he kind of re- refocused and recentered himself tonight, man. So I-, I do have to ask you this just because we've seen so much scrutiny in regards to garland and some of it is warranted right uh you know he he has been rather careless with the basketball to begin the season but based upon his start to the year were you at least a little concerned about things in his regard
0: uh definitely i was concerned i I was concerned about the the three-point volume which you know he he took 12 threes per 36 in preseason and then it just went right back down uh, once regular season started, obviously the hammy seemed to be bothering him. I still am kind of of the uneducated opinion that it still is. I mean, yeah. there have been a couple uh, fast break opportunities where I think last year he would dunk him, and even this year he was like he goes up to dunk him, and then he has to lay it in because he he's not getting missed, all the though. way up there. Um, and the turnovers have been uncharacteristic. I do think this game was encouraging for a couple reasons. One, I just thought his scoring game was much more well rounded. Uh, I, I you know he hit three threes uh, he was he was finishing uh, with really really good angles I thought the turnovers still stunk you know still a one-to-one assist to turnover ratio which like you know like you can't do that but I felt like as a scorer he was much more decisive and got himself into less no-win situations I just think he was he's still been a little careless on the other end but like if I can do some real fan mathing uh, Mac, <laughs> I would say that uh, the five steals kind of mm-hmm. make up for the four turnovers. So really, if you do a steals plus assists minus turnovers, he's plus five. Um, and uh, th- that's uh, that's fan math at its worst. But I don't know. I thought I thought he had he played a helpful offensive game. I thought he did a nice job on Steph on defense. So like not super grumpy with his outing, though, the turnovers were frustrating. I don't know. how Did, did you feel encouraged by by tonight? I honestly did. And to me, I don't know if
1: the the turnovers are more so him just trying to get out of his own way or if it's just carelessness with the basketball or if it's just bad timing and trying to figure out where some of these guys are supposed to be at. Because in my opinion, I still think, you know, with this starting five, you are still trying to figure out how to best utilize guys like Max Struess out in the perimeter. You're still trying to figure out uh, what the lanes are going to look like inside because there is a little bit more – Uh, there is a little bit more space out there. And so some of these turnovers that we've seen from him over these last couple of games, very, very sloppy passing. I didn't necessarily see that tonight. I mean, there was a couple, right? There's a couple couple no
0: chancers, a couple no chance REM attacks. And that's the stuff that he's really got to clean up. Sorry to interrupt, but no, 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 no. no, You're good. yeah.
1: Yeah, I completely agree in that regard. And I think that will, I think that will occur as the season goes on. I just I do think there is some excuse built in with the hammy. I I, I kind of give that to him, but at the same time, I did feel encouraged about it, especially with the three ball dropping, because, uh, you know, I think in the last matchup with Golden State, the three ball just was non-existent, but he was able to salvage that because he was able to attack inside and draw a ton of fouls. Oh,
0: look um, who's in the chat. Justin Rowan <laughs> saying that five threes is a step in the right direction, but I need more. This guy on his day off, Hanging out in the chat, gotta respect <laughs> it. Uh, I do want to ask um, about uh, the 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 player that I really wanted to talk about. I have two guys I, on the fun side of the conversation. Mm-hmm. I really want to hit on uh, from tonight's game, and I you you teed it up a little bit in terms of integrating Struess, mm-hmm. but man, this guy is the obviously the the three hasn't really been there thus far this season. Yeah. Are you su- surprised at the degree to which he is stat stuffing? He had 16, 8 and 4 uh tonight. Uh and the rebounding and passing has been really really eye-opening and like I think it's important to note that as much as the Cavs have kind of messaged that like hey, he's not just a shooter, he's not just a shooter. He does all these other things. You go look at his stats uh from past seasons. His highest career rebounding average was 5.2. Or, I'm sorry, 3.2. He's averaging 5.9 going into the night and pulled in 8 more. Uh, His highest assists was 3.2. Or, or, uh, I'm sorry, 2.1. He's averaging 3.3. Like, I feel like just saying that this is who Struess always was, Uh like, he's, he's not just a shooter. He's able to do all this stuff. It actually might be doing a bit of a disservice to how good he's been, for this Cavaliers team.
1: I mean, how would you categorize him for me? You know, watching some film on him prior to the acquisition, because that was definitely one of the guys that I had hoped the Cavaliers would go out there and acquire. And when they did, I was really happy about that. But the book on the guy was that he's very solid movement shooter. Right. And that's definitely something that we needed. We've seen how that can play out for them, especially in game one against Brooklyn. But again, The three ball is not dropping. But for me, the biggest thing with Struess is not just the stat sheet stuffing. It's the fact that this dude is always on the move. He's always looking to contribute in some form or fashion. He's opening the floor up for other guys. Some of the backdoor cuts that he's had has been flat out beautiful, in my opinion. Um, The defense has really been a positive to me because I feel like you've started to see him Uh, take more, uh, you know, pride in his defensive assignments that I had seen him in years past. But, yes, to answer your question, I definitely feel like, you know, some of these stat lines you're seeing from him, 16, 8, and 4. And luckily, he did have two or three from uh, three-point range tonight, which will definitely help the percentages a little bit. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, definitely not
0: something that I would have expected from him out of the three. I was expecting – him to be a, a more well-rounded player than just a three-point shooter, but I thought that would mostly come in the form of those intangibles, in the form of yeah. constant movement and, you know, the sort of plays that open things up for other guys that he doesn't get a, a, a tick in the box score for. But, mm-hmm. like, his his box score stuffing. I mean, three, four assists, seven, it, you know, six to eight rebounds. It kind of feels like a constant, and, like, I think it's part of the reason why He's I believe he's leading the team in minutes right now, uh, aside from the fact that he also has been, you know, the, the healthiest uh, of, of the starting group. But, yeah, I just I've really enjoyed his effort, and I think he's also done a really, really nice job in both of these Warriors games, taking on some really tough assignments like Wiggins. I think is probably thinking he's going to have a better night going against him. Steph thinks he's going to have a better night. Clay's thinking he's going to have a better night. I think he's held his own against all three. I've just been really, really geeked with the Max Drew's experience and that's with the threes, not falling that much. I mean, that's
1: exactly where I'm at with them. And for, you know, some of the assists, the ball movement that he's had, you can clearly see the chemistry that he has already built with the bigs and Jared Allen and Emily.
0: My goodness. He, 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 and he is the number one route to a good evan mobley rem attack
1: yeah i mean helping you know it helps that he played with bam Adebayo, who's one of the game's better passing bigs right and you could definitely see these two they're developing a pretty solid chemistry and he's doing that same thing with jared allen you saw some of those plays tonight uh play out i did want to ask you just to kind of go off topic here um we've seen a lot of discourse with dean wade <laughs> uh, you know, fan interaction in regards to him on social media seems to be all over the place. Can you just, where are you at with Dean Wade right now? Because the stat sheet is is not always kind to him. Uh, he did have two big threes down the stretch in that fourth quarter, you know, to begin the fourth quarter. He is still pulling down boards. But every time I, I'm logging into one of my socials, I'm constantly seeing this guy taking some flack for one reason or another. Where are you at with Dean Wade?
0: I've been really happy with Dean uh, so far this season, and I think, um, uh, and here here's a potential take. I was gonna hit on Niang near the end of the podcast because I think those minutes have been especially rough from an on court performance perspective. You know, throwing out all other context, you know, role, seniority, just straight up, who's playing better. There's really no reason for Dean not to be the eighth man when the team is fully healthy uh, ahead of Niang. Uh, I think. I think his rebounding has been oh. uh, underrated because the numbers are never high. I thought he was boxing uh, out like like a demon tonight. There's a reason mm. he led the team uh, in rebounds and in his 17 minutes before he got fouled out. Um, I, and you know the three-pointer, I just think, is always going to be one of those things where it's like, okay, Dean is going to shoot well tonight. <laughs> <laughs> or Dean is not going to shoot well tonight. And it's gonna, it kind of feels like, he's such a rhythm player on that side of the ball, but I think the, the rebounding numbers have consistently been improved with him on the floor. He's one of those guys where the team rebound rate is really what you want to look at, as opposed to his individual rebound numbers. Cause a lot of times he's just clearing guys off the glass for his teammates to go get the easy board, you know, mm-hmm. almost letting the ball hit the floor because he's boxing out his guys so well. Uh, and then, yeah. Yeah. And then I think as, as a defender, he really is the best thing we have to throw at the you know the apex six eight six nine wings in the league um i didn't i will say uh, i i think he got a rough whistle a couple times i do think there are times where uh especially in transition where i'm like hey buddy you got to take a better angle on that defensively <laughs> like kuminga is not going to score on you just sprint straight to the basket or like if he's not going to pull from three like he was giving up easy angles to Kuminga tonight, so probably not the best game to extol Dean's on-ball defense. Uh, but I think overall, he and Okoro are this team's best bet at shutting someone's water off on the perimeter in a non-switch environment for the bigs. So, like, I I, I really have been happy with his play, and, like, I think in a lot of ways he helped them close out this game with those two threes. It, you know, um, it, it felt very, very meaningful to come out on an 8-2 run in the fourth after getting, you know, your water shut off the entire third?
1: (laughs) I mean, after the Draymond Green ejection, which completely just revitalized the Warriors, it seemed, on the offensive end, uh, you know, having Dean come out there to start the fourth quarter and drill back-to-back triples, man, that was definitely something that, uh, that you should feel good about, right? Because for what it's worth, Dean... The shot, it's going to come and go. Um, but he still tries hard defensively. He's still going out, going to go out there and position himself quite well uh, on the glass. And for him, he's just kind of a guy who's never going to get the love of the average fan, right? And so for him, I I need him to have a breakout game because I'm just so dang tired of seeing this guy take so much, uh, so much crap. But well, I, mean, I think I shit.
0: think that's also kind of his job in a way, you know, like yeah. He's going to get tough matchups. Um, He is not a high volume player, so his box scores are never going to, you know, pop. But like as an eighth man in a rotation, you know, I I said this earlier, but not messing up is almost more important than excelling. And Dean just doesn't mess up. Um, You know, sometimes the three just doesn't go. But like that's different than like actively hurting the team by being out of position or. You know, going uh, ISO on a play you shouldn't, or you know, just get being reckless. I I don't think that's his game, writ large. Uh, I think he's a, just a very safe, dependable player, and like sometimes that matters much more than than being splashy. So, been super, super thrilled with Dean, a player who has been splashy. Mac, <laughs> I I cannot believe I am saying this, given my general take on this player's tenure thus far in cleveland but garis mm-hmm. lavert has been my favorite ah, cleveland god. cavalier this season
1: uh i mean how can he not be i mean he i think i heard you guys say this on the last pot he, he just really looks like the guy who who looks cool calm and collected this season one of the only guys who's been that way outside of donovan right um he's playing two-way basketball oh my god it's beautiful um, and I think I heard him say it a little bit tonight, the defense definitely feel the offense, right? Um, when, anytime he's out there and he is got it going, you can't help but feel good for the guy just because you know what he can be. You know what he brings to the table. He brings a lot of playmaking to the table. Obviously, he feels comfortable in isolation sets. Um, was not prepared for the spot-up shooting uh, that I've seen out of him, which has been great. Uh, but yeah, man, I, I I feel really really good about Levert. The only thing, the only thing that I question at this point in time, and maybe you can help me out with this a little bit. He's routinely playing thirty plus minutes off
0: the bench right now. Is that sustainable? Does that does that scare you at all? I think that's kind of a byproduct of a couple things. I think it's a byproduct of Ty Jerome uh, being hurt and Isaac Okoro being hurt, and then when those guys weren't hurt. Darius was hurt, and sometimes Donnie was hurt. Um, I, I think, I do think he is playing well enough to warrant twenty six to twenty eight minutes a night mm-hmm. th- right now. Um, and I do think JB has some levers to pull to get that number back down. Uh, you know, if, if he starts playing less well, I don't think the road to getting him back to you know twenty four to twenty six is that hard. You know, you just give ice a few more minutes here and there. All of the starters are playing like 33 to 34 minutes, most games. Mm-hmm. So like, it's not like if they didn't, if they had to go up to 36 a little more often, that's not the end of the world. So, uh, you know, I, I'm not worried about the minutes load. And again, I'm just so darn impressed with his decisiveness right now. Um, he just is a player who seems very comfortable attacking. Uh, he's, he's turning the corner on opponents a lot better, you know i do think he's one of these guys that when we talked about benefiting from the improved spacing we mm-hmm. really we really really narrowed in on him because he's a player who does like to dribble a lot and when you're playing kind of when you're in a phone booth that gets really really hard to turn the corner when you're when you're doing it mostly off the dribble but you know you look at that switch he got on Kevon looney today <laughs> where he just cooked him cooked him for a reverse layup and one that like, was beautiful I just don't think he was getting past guys that way last year. And I don't think it has that much to do with Karis. It has a lot to do with the environment Karis was in last season where, you know, he's because like the reality is last season, if Karis was on the floor and ISO wing, it -hmm. probably meant one of Darius or Donovan was sitting and it probably meant that there was only one shooter on the floor. So, um, so like, I just, I've been so, I've been so impressed by his, his attacks, his free throw drawing has been really, really good. Uh, he didn't have uh, any free throws the first two games of the year that he, then he's put up nine, four, four, two, sixteen, 16, and five uh, free throw attempts. And like five free throw attempts. Isn't a, an insane amount. I, I understand that, but like just, I felt like all five were high value attempts. They were like, and one opportunities or like really forcing the contact Um, And then on the defensive end, I think he's been really, really good. I mean, he's always been a good active hands steals guy. I think he's been sitting in his stance a lot better this season uh, in isolation. You know, I don't think he'll ever be an elite off ball defender, but like, Mm -hmm. I just think he's doing his job, especially when the team doesn't have Okoro out there. So, man, just I just never expected to to like this guy so much. I spent the entire entirety (laughs) of last season you know, using the square, you know, square peg round hole. Mm -hmm. analogy I never remember which order that goes in but don't worry about it um of saying like hey I I respect the guy useful player has Mm -hmm. a lot of skills but this team doesn't really need what he provides feels like this year this team does need what he provides and he just fits way better within this roster construction
1: I don't think anybody could beat you up about that opinion though obviously last year just because it often felt like they they tried him out at so many different spots right and you kind of love the fact that he's so versatile but i feel like obviously the added spacing definitely helps but i feel like having a solidified role now actually helps as well like he knows where his minutes are going to come from you can spot start him when you need him to but i feel like he's playing confident basketball because he knows what his job is out there um i've been really impressed with his two-way play um, I think the 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 lockdown defense on Klay Thompson for me, the man to man, right there. Even though Clay's lost a step, Um, I don't feel bad saying that. Um, that that was absolutely beautiful. Uh, I, I I love that. So he's getting it done on both ends of the floor, and I think right now he has legitimately. Correct me if I'm wrong, but this is just the way I feel. I feel like he is one of the Cavs' probably top five most important players, uh, just for the level of versatility that he offers.
0: Um, I'm not sure I'm there yet. I mean, just (laughs) I just think the starting five is the five for me right now. Um, because just Struis has been so important for them, and you know, I do feel like the thing the reason I won't put him in there, even though I think he's probably sixth, Mm -hmm. uh, the reason I won't put him in there is I still feel like the team's ceiling is defined by what that starting five can do. Um, and I feel like this team is now good enough that we can focus on the ceiling, but I think the fact that Karras has been good enough to, you know, insert himself into that conversation, I think, like, is a real testament to him, you know. he And it, it sure is making the Cavs look good for not letting him walk this summer, you know, like, and it, his versatility is just, is, I feel like, what makes this, what makes him so special for this team, which is funny because I just wouldn't have considered him to be that kind of versatile piece coming in. I kind of viewed him as a, as a straight-up, you know, scorer um for the for the majority of his career but you know wherever they've needed support from him he's able to support just like we get support from our video uh (laughs) software support of this podcast the following message come from zoom half a million businesses connect using zoom a single platform for phone chat workspaces events apps, and video zoom enables real-time collaboration for teams around the globe zoom how the world connects i want to talk about the bigs next mac um And I want to start with a bit of an Evan Mobley offensive referendum because me thinks the narrative is swinging too far the other direction with him. Uh, Every game, my timeline is littered with complaints about Evan Mobley. And in fairness, I, you know, midway through the third, I'm like, hmm, Evan's not having a very good game. Is it the variance,
1: like the back and forth uh, of it all?
0: I don't know, but I'm sitting here thinking eh, he's had a bit of a rough game. I get why people are complaining. Then I look at the box score; it's 19 points on 10 field goal attempts. Like, if that's a rough game, cool. Like, do you feel like it swung a little too far with him? I understand that the self-created stuff, uh-huh. uh huh, is 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 not there. But like, I just don't know how much that really matters. As long as he's able to succeed when he has advantage.
1: I mean, I honestly do believe it's like uh, the guy takes strays all the time, even in, you know, what the box score, which suggest isn't actually like a very efficient, good game from Mobley. I don't know what people are expecting. Like, you know, I, I say this all the live long day, you know, the, the acquisition of Donovan Mitchell, right. It's a great thing, but what it did was it altered the trajectory of his development. It, it, it forever changed how his development arc was going to go. And, Even while we may not have seen some of the developments that some people are really, really clamoring for, like the three-point shot, right, or a a solid mid-range jumper, things of that nature, the self-created stuff, as you said, even though we haven't seen that stuff come with consistency – He's still finding ways to get the job done offensively, right? He's great. He's usually money around the rim. He's rebounding the basketball pretty well. He's still giving you that trademark defensive player of the year caliber defense, uh, you know. But on the offensive end specifically, no, I just don't get people's like I, I don't get it. Like we go from one game the guy looks dominant to the next game the guy sucks. <laughs> I mean, I, I that's, get
0: it. Here, here's the thing, I get it. Because you do want to see, and, and we talked about it on the last podcast, where you know uh, you're seeing him not go for the floater range shots. He's not going yeah. up as confidently from from mid range. There are some there are some spots where you can go. That's actually like he's doing that less, or he's less confident doing that than he was as a rookie, which you don't want to see. So, like, I won't say I don't get it, and I also think the way that the team talks about him uh, kind of begs these kind of expectations from, from, from folks. I just think I keep going back to, I've already referenced this on the pod before, but Nikias Duncan on, on the low post talking mm-hmm. about Anthony Davis, about what people want from him and expect from him. And if you're looking for, you know, 25 to 30 points of self-created points a game, you're just going to be bummed out, but you just, just reframe your expectations a little. I care a lot more about Evan's play finishing and the way he's attacking with advantage than I do about how he can post up uh Draymond Green from the elbow. Like I like that's all well and good but like right now I just want to see him make the right play. That's why on the last podcast I talked about the force that Jared Allen plays with, the decisiveness Jared Allen plays with and the fact that you know Jared's been getting to the line a ton these last two games. Just by the second he catches it, he just goes straight at the he's rim attacking. as hard as he can. Um, uh, uh, someone in our Discord, DH, mentioned he, he framed it really perfectly where he said, I, "I think Evan Mobley right now is cursed with too many options. Like <laughs> he's got so many things he's working on that mm-hmm. you can you can see the brain processing in real time. And like I would almost like to see him." just go back to instinctual play on the offensive end. And I do think that would kind of ease a lot of these concerns. And I think that's why people are bummed because we're like, we're seeing you try stuff and it's not going well. Well, let me ask you this then, because I've
1: seen a a lot of these things being mentioned on both sides from just a decision-making standpoint, especially upon receiving the ball. Do you feel like he has regressed between now and
0: last season? I don't think he's regressed. I, I I think, I think the shot diet is a little different. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, he actually took a he took he tried a floater tonight, and I was really pleased with that because I just hadn't been seeing a lot of those shots from him. <laughs> and I think that should be a, a bread and butter shot for him. I think he has got really good touch from floater range. I just think that the expectations are higher, and I think he's about the same. To be honest, I don't think he. But like again, this is a little bit of confirmation bias too, because Justin and I very strongly feel he is a power forward, not a center. And That's wrong, there was man. a and there was a lot of games at center against really, really good defensive centers that I'm like, yeah, I don't think Evan's gonna do well in those matchups. Well like,
1: that and I, they faced a lot of matchups in which guys can pull you out, right? If you're putting Mobley at the five and you're you're having to defend Chet. You know, a guy like that out there who can comfortably space the floor, that changes things a little bit with if you're moving him to the five. Because I've always felt like I too agree that I feel like he's more a four than a five, although you can get away with minutes uh at the five for him. I feel like right now he is by far the best position for him is the four. And what is required from from him, especially from a defensive standpoint when you have Jared Allen out there is much different than what you might be requiring him to do out of that five. And so I don't know. I, I just, it's all over the place for me, but um, I kind of feel like he's still, he's still at the same place that he was last year. And I just, I, I consistently see people suggesting that the guy has regressed and I, that's the part I can't get with.
0: No, I think he's about where he was last year as a scorer. I think his playmaking has been improved, but though, you know, it's, that's the thing. There's just there's just now that you never get a straight line with basketball. Like I think is the playmaking better or is the court more open and he's able to, you know, <laughs> make easier reads to guys who are better shooters. I you know, it's hard it's hard to say on that front, but I've I've liked what I've seen there. Uh up until the last two games, I've loved what I've seen on the glass. I mm-hmm. mean, he had a five-game stretch where he had 15, 14, 12, 10, 16 boards. Um Sheesh. Now, the last two he's only at 5 apiece, which I think it's that is, concerning um, to you at all, him yeah, and Jared. I, I wouldn't say concerning. I feel like both of the last two games have been a little weird on the boards, where like you kind of just look up and down the box score, and no one has like more than six or seven. Um, and it just kind of feels like gang rebounding games. I, I thought they were okay on the boards against OKC, I thought they were a little worse against Golden State, but I also think that's just a Golden State byproduct because you're just so panicked by the shooting. Like, they're always going to be a good offensive rebounding team because they have Kavon Looney and they have two uh, two shooters that make you fly 30 feet from the ball uh, on on pick and roll and pin down and split cut action. So, like, I just think I, I'm not worried about, like, a regression for him on, on the boards. I still think he's been a much better rebounder writ large. Um, I just think he's also sharing the court with Jared Allen again. Which, which you know, that that takes up some boards, and over, overall, I've just I've been fine. I've been fine with him. Um, I I think I will I will say my honest re- my honest opinion of Evan so far this year is eh, I'm a little disappointed, but not 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 <laughs> not. It's more of a Larry David, ah. you know, like I just I can't I can't feel as bummed as everyone else is. Because like I just think I think it's a bit more of a flat progression, like you said, as opposed to a uh, as opposed to a straight regression. One spot where there has been a certain regression year over year, and I think we do have to talk about it a little bit, is the Niang thing. Ugh. Uh George's had a rough run so far as a Cleveland Cavaliers back. Um and I'm not sure why. Um, you know, like these are it's, you know, you when you're trying to analyze it, you go, OK, is it a situation thing? Uh, but he's played on spaced offenses that Donovan Mitchell is the lead ball handler on and done really, really well. Um, so, like, what's missing? What, in your opinion, is the cause? Do you think it's just a straight up a comfort issue? Do you think it's a if he just, you know, he's just a little cold right now and he needs to be hot? to be helpful. Like, how do you, how do you feel?
1: How I feel. Okay. Let me, let me just put this in two ways here. First with the offense, um shooting 27% from three point range. That's, that is not what we expected, right? Especially coming off of five straight seasons in which he's knocked down the three ball, 40 plus percent each. Um, I honestly feel Carter that it is comfort. You know, I, some of the shots that he's taken, the shot profile, this guy, literally will run out in transition and pull up. That just does not seem like a shot to me that it is within his wheelhouse. The other thing that I absolutely hate from Niang right now, I got to keep it real. I I hate when he drives the basketball. (laughs) It scares me each time he does it. I know it's probably going to result in a miss, but specifically in regards to the space. Right. I feel like it's a comfort thing because the, the shot, I feel like if you can get out there uh, as a spot up shooter, he would be way, way, way more efficient. I just haven't seen a ton of those looks. Maybe it's the result of like the people that have been missing, the injuries, guys playing out of position and whatnot. But I mean, I, I'm just as concerned as everybody else. I do not believe it's just the shooting slump at this point. I really honestly feel like it is a comfort thing. I feel like the shot profile with him, they're not getting him shots in my opinion that he, that he's most comfortable with. I don't know. That's just me. Where are you at with that?
0: Um, you know, I was really hopeful that the return of Darius and Jarrett would be kind of a shot in the arm for him. Cause I do think mm-hmm. those are two guys that are kind of built in a lab to make things easier on a guy like Niang. Like, Again, uh, Jared's vertical rim pressure really sucking defenders in, making them take that extra step. Like, Evan likes to catch in the high post and jab and pivot. Like, Jared just goes. And, you know, for, for a spot-up guy, that that's great for, for a guy like that. Um, you know, you're looking for for Darius. You know, Darius is a guy who's going to hit it in the shooter's pocket a little more consistently where, you know, you're not catching at your knees and having to get into a set shot it still isn't there right now. Um the the 3 point volume is his lowest since 2019. He's only taken 7.3 per 36. Um you hope that comes up a little bit just now that the team is healthy and you know he has a little bit more space. Um and you know you just kind of hope that the percentages just level out, you know? I mean, he's he was missing bad tonight. Um and like when a really good three-point shooter is missing that badly is it 27 percent for the season right now from mm-hmm. three and honestly i'm surprised it's that high um <laughs> it don't uh, feel like it's that high then, then i think it's one of those things where you have to kind of balance how much you can ride it out um uh versus how much you just need to have, like like guys like dean wade more minutes uh ahead of him because dean i think You know, if you're going to get 27% from the four, you might as well play Dean. Um, Even if Dean's jumper is is hit and miss because of the other things he brings. In fairness, I will say he has helped in some other spots. I think Mm -hmm. when he is isoed by when he's guarding big, strong fours, I think he's done pretty well. Um, Julius Randle comes Yeah, Julius Randle. I thought he did a really nice job on him. The rebounding is uh, the best it's been since 2018. He's averaging seven boards per 36, which is like a lot better than anything he's done the last four or five years. Um, You know, the the only other times he was rebounding that well was when he was playing nine, 10 games a year um, early in his career. So uh, I, I think that I've been pleased with that. The turnover, he's not turning the ball over. That's nice. But like the reality is, you gotta you gotta hit shots if you're him because you're not gonna be an elite defender, you're not gonna be an elite rebounder, you're not gonna be an elite playmaker. So it's like we just need you to get him up and we need you to get him up and make them go in. And like that's like the worst analysis. I understand that. Uh that's not sexy, that's not fun. Um, but to your point about the drives, like they can't they it's one of those things too where even when you're in a slump, you just are not allowed to stop taking them. If you're him, like there was a play where he was running pick and pop with Darius when uh, Sarich was out there tonight, and they they run it twi- they run two picks for him. First one doesn't really yield anything. Second one he's wide open. Mm-hmm. Darius drags Sarich that extra step. He catches it and he pumps and drives. Gets stonewalled. And has to give it back to Darius. Darius ends up having to make a cross. Uh, court passed Struess in the corner and Struess mishandles into turnover. And it's like, you have to shoot it when you're open. I don't know. I don't know because you could point at Darius for the same thing where it's like, hey, like if you're open, you just have to shoot. But like, I don't feel like Niang is a guy who <laughs> lacks for confidence based on what you hear about him. But like, at a certain point, you just like they just, he, I, I'm sure even he needs to see him go in. So, like, I'm not ready to say like total disaster. <laughs> but like the minutes have the minutes have not been good. They have not been good for him. I I would imagine Niang would tell you that himself. Um and I I don't know. Uh, maybe maybe it's just maybe it's just a matter of getting used to his teammates, but like or getting used to there is maybe something uh, and this is pure speculation that I'm coming up with on the spot. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's something to he got very comfortable in Philly where You just don't have to move to get open to get open threes with Joel Embiid. In fact, you're probably better served just standing in that corner Mm -hmm. and waiting for like because you kick out. Yeah, because the thing about Embiid and playing next to a guy like that is you can generate doubles from a set offense without having already, you know, garnered an advantage. Every other, you know, perimeter player. You have to like run an action for them to then you know uh, trap you or you know or send send help after you've beaten your man like Embiid if he catches it on the block someone's probably coming so <laughs> so so maybe that just maybe he didn't have to be a, a didn't have to move as much and it was a bit more of just a you know hang in the corner and it will come to me and I will be ready so maybe there's an adjustment period going on there but like I I don't know. Do you think he's adding enough, like, in other areas to continue to warrant the
1: minutes that he's getting? I think that's the biggest question.
0: I think it's probably a good thing for him that, like, Ice and Jerome are hurt right now. Uh, in ter- Obviously not a good thing, no. Like, something he would be rooting for. But yeah. in terms of, he, he, it's buying him some more, like, there's nowhere else for JB to give the minutes to right now.
1: Oh, well, let me ask you this, just because we keep seeing it suggested, uh, my friend. Um, Can you explain to people why you like why you don't play a guy like Amani Bates there? Just because that's where a lot of people seem to be pointing his minutes
0: should be going to. I just think that's just I just think that's a. This is probably a mean mean way to frame it, but I think that's a decision you make if you think you're going to win like 35 games. Um, because I know that the hype train for Imani is off the rails, and internally my hype train for Imani is going a little <laughs> off the rails after his uh, after his G League debut. Um, but you still look at a guy like that, and like I think I don't want to accuse our viewers of not being knowers of ball, but if you are a true knower of basketball and you really pay attention to what Imani is doing. Uh, on off ball, on defense, chasing guys around screens. I think, in your heart of hearts, you have to know he's going to get attacked in a postseason series, and he's just too young to to have the counters yet. And nice. and a guy like George Niang has helped teams win playoff series. Uh, and like, I think if this were even if it were next year, I think that conversation I'm a lot more open to right now. Mm-hmm. But like. For, for this very moment, I just think Amani is better served getting a ton of minutes in the G League, not scrapping for seven or eight minutes here and there because George isn't hitting threes. Because um, again, once the team's fully healthy, mm-hmm. he's not going to get minutes anyway, even if George is barely in the rotation. Because a guy like Okoro is going to play ahead of him, a guy like Wade is going to play ahead of him. Because you just have to understand how NBA defense works. Like... <laughs> Uh and what the team really needs, uh, especially on that end of the ball. Like this team has a lot of catch-and-shoot guys now. Uh, they have plenty of that skill set in space. They haven't been hitting them, but like mm-hmm. they have the archetypes. They don't have a lot of rugged defender and box out guys like Dean Wade. Um, <laughs> so like and Isaac O'Koro. So like I just think you're not really it's weird because obviously you would think playing Amani is playing the long game. I don't Mm -hmm. think you're actually playing the long game there. I think you're, I think you're short circuiting a little bit in chasing some instant gratification. And like, you'd be better served by just saying Amani, we'll play We'll see when we see you. We'll get you minutes when we can, or when we have to. But right now it would be, we're better served getting George back up to speed and in, in, in in the swing of things. Must be rough to have that game.
1: With the charge and then immediately have to Fly up for the big league club and then I think Fly back for uh, For another charge game that's got to be tough man
0: That's rough but I think it's I'm glad you brought it up because I think It's smart as hell management from the Cavs Coaching staff that is Saying hey we Want you in our system All the time no off Days for you buddy you're with us (laughs) We're going to keep developing You we're going to keep teaching you you're going to we're going to run you a little ragged this year coming back and forth, but you're going to be better served for it because you're getting big league experience and big league t- time, hanging out with guys that shoot around, picking their brains, the little things like that. And you're getting game reps. And like, I think that level of hands-on management is the kind of thing he does. He, he both needs and deserves in terms of being taken as a developmental prospect by this team. Absolutely. Do you? By the way, do you agree with me? We we didn't get to your opinion on the matter. Would you give any minutes? Oh, well, thank you for asking.
1: I feel like I don't get asked my opinion a lot because I'm talking to myself most of the time on my podcast. <laughs> uh no i i completely agree with you just because the i I get the hype surrounding i'm guilty of hyping the guy up i mean i i I love to see the kid do well and i feel i feel uh like i can call him a kid just because i'm in my 30s now yeah
0: we're old we can call him kids (laughs) uh
1: but yes i completely agree because i feel like you're not really getting the best out of his two-way eligibility if you're just gonna have him up with the big league club as like maybe ninth tenth man at best seeing maybe like five to ten minutes per night uh at the big league level you're not really helping his development along what you really want from you know for Amani is to play him where he's going to get his mis- most minutes where he can see his most development and we've seen how that can pay off for guys in the past with the G League uh you know there and speaking of that game the other night there's a number of players who looked really really good but yet None of them outside of Amani were getting looks from fans uh, about actually playing. Uh, you know, Isaiah Mobley comes to mind. You had a wonderful game uh, uh, against the herd, but I didn't see nearly enough people
0: commenting on that. But overall, yeah, but I the call of Amani is going to do what the cult of Amani does, and that's fun. It's part of the fun, by the way. I mean, like I know, I know, we're playing the part of being like the rational, like hyper, you know, long game, patient folks. Like both of us, like every time Imani checks in, I would argue we're both pretty geeked to see what's going to happen, just even if it's one minute left. Yeah, because the <laughs> upside, dude, totally. The upside is there. The upside is there. So, like, I, I, I really do get it. I get why people are hyped and want to want to see him. I just think, like, really, really put yourself in in JB's shoes. Mm-hmm. If you're one of those like. It's malpractice. He's not on the main roster and in the rotation. Like, really put yourself in JB's shoes. Really think about what this team's goals are and realize that, like, I would play it exactly the way JB is playing it. So, like, I can't criticize
1: i mean i can't either but carter we have to understand that the so average are fan gonna. is like <laughs> people yeah, are gonna yeah the average fan is like man what the hell is jb doing this kid should be playing he's right elastic. now he's a superstar he's a starter people are just saying all types of things
0: uh, how about this uh house rules uh you're not allowed to to cite charge box scores as reasons why he must be with the main club, unless you watched every minute of his play on the floor. <laughs> cause, cause anyone looks great with a highlight reel and like, and he was great. He was great in that game. That is not to denigrate Amani's performance at all. Um, I just, I just really like what they're doing and I wouldn't short circuit it unless I, I really had to, or he may, or he was so consistently great mm-hmm. that I didn't have the choice, you know, that I had to. Um, yeah. So like, that that's kind of where I stand, but like ultimately it's a really, really exciting time. And, uh, I, and I, I'm going to be watching a lot of charge games this year, man. I re I really had a lot of fun watching that game. And, you know, once CPJ gets down there and oh, that guy's going to be spending some time at the free throw line, I would surmise, uh, <laughs> uh, tonight. Um, but you know, once CBJ gets down there, it's just going to be fun. There's just so many guys that you actually know and have some investment in with that group. So it's going to be a really fun time watching the charge this year, I think. It, it really should be yeah so anyway it is 12 57 p.m eastern time we got 118 sickos watching staying up late to watch this uh stream and uh and hang out with it with the chase down and with its cavalier thank you so much uh mac for joining uh please before we wrap can you go ahead and plug your stuff because your youtube channel has been popping your podcast feed's been popping go ahead and uh tell tell us what's going on
1: Ah well, I appreciate the shout out. Um, yeah, just hit 10k rather recently. I'm trying to put out content uh, daily, although that's a that's a struggle.
0: <laughs> it's hard uh, work, man. You've been killing it.
1: Yeah, uh, post gaming, uh, you know, doing my best to to provide insight and reaction there. But uh, yeah, I mean, go ahead, check out the It's
0: Cavalier podcast. Go subscribe on YouTube. I definitely appreciate it yeah mac is going live after like almost every game uh which certainly the chase Down does not do so if you're if you're thirsting for some post-game content please uh please go check out it's cavalier and if you are a chase down podcast fan thank you so much for, for your continued patronage for listening we got a few uh folks uh sending re- five-star reviews uh for invites to the discord so please do so send a re- review to chase down pod at gmail.com and we'll get you an invite thank you so much for listening uh be sure to subscribe unsubscribe resubscribe be sure to cook those books thank you so much for listening and as always go calves we'll see you soon justin